from chapter 5 of Acts. It says, Now a man named Ananias, together with his wife Sapphira, also sold a piece of property. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money for himself, but brought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. Then Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you've lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Didn't it belong to you before it was sold? And after it was sold, wasn't the money at your disposal? What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. When Ananias heard this, he fell down and died, and a great fear seized all who heard what had happened. Then some young men came forward, wrapped up his body, and carried him out to bury him. About three hours later, his wife came in. Not knowing what had happened, Peter asked her, Tell me, is this the price you and Ananias got for the land? Yes, she said, that is the price. Peter said to her, How could you conspire to test the Spirit of the Lord? Listen, the feet of the men who buried your husband are at the door, and they will carry you out also. At that moment, she fell down at his feet and died. Then the young men came in and, finding her dead, carried her out and buried her beside her husband. Great fear seized the whole church and all who heard about these events. It does get better after this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Not the best story to start yeah. on, is it? But it's a good point because it, it brings a soberness and a, a seriousness to New Testament. Often people say in the New Testament it's all about grace and forgiveness and acceptance, but God's still God. And so he... You know, like, as they said, um, you know, it was yours to do what you wanted. You didn't have to make any up any story. So why lie to us? You know, you, it was your property. You, you you could do whatever you like with it. Because what's interesting, remember a few weeks ago, but mm-hmm. chapter four. Remember it said they all had, every people had things in common, and it said they met together daily, and they broke bread, and they said they sold houses and possessions and gave to everyone who had need and it's really joyful exciting time that everyone the people are just selling things and sharing it and here they've done the same thing in fact in verse um, chapter four remember last time actually says just before this story it says um probably should look it up but that so-and-so sold a, has house and gave the and brought the feet the money to the feet of the apostles yep. so he he did the same thing yeah um but this time it's like and to me, the challenge is a few things, and you can see what you find challenging. I, I find challenging one is the severity of the punishment. You know, both die. Yeah. That's a, a hard one. But also, I think um, that why did they feel compelled to lie rather than just saying, you know, we've sold our house and, you know, we got, you know, say we got $100,000 and you know we decided to bring eighty thousand for the church, and you know, and they say thank you, that's wonderful. But instead, they've said we got eighty thousand dollars for the house, and then, the and then you know, others know that they got a hundred. Yeah, I mean, I I struggle with this one too. Yes, it seems very extreme for for what you know. I think it's they've they've lied, and I think it's. I'm trying to get my head around it. Yeah. They've, they've lied at the beginning of the church, which is just like they were very against that kind of sinful, that sinful nature. They've yeah. decided to come to come to the church, and they've kind of greeted the church with a lie, which I think is the the biggest issue. Is that there was a lie at the beginning? Yeah, and I, I think it's that um, at the start they. With his wife's full knowledge, he kept back part of the money and he bought the rest and put it at the apostles' feet. So it wasn't just that he put it in an offering bucket or something. He brought it to the, you know, the apostles are there, he brings it, puts it at their feet. This is what this is what we sold and got for our house. You know, and it's and I sit there going, it's, it's very sobering. It's a hard passage. Um, but I think it's, it's that side of God reminding you, hey, um, I'm holy, I'm righteous. You know, don't mess around in a sense. Um, but at the same time, the apostle saying, "You didn't have to lie about it. We're thankful for anything." And I think that's often a key of a, a church in a sense. It's like 
it says later on, remember Paul says, yeah. don't give under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And I think yeah. that's where it's, yeah, it's like... He hasn't done it full-heartedly and yeah. cheerfully. He's gone, I'll give you this, but I'm going to retain this. Yeah. It's also, I've heard people say that it's because at that point in the church, they needed people to be all in. Like you couldn't be in the church, but not in the church. Like you were at the beginning of the formation of the church. Yeah. They were saying, well, you, you're either in the church or not in the church. You can't be. I don't know, I think it's still the same heart. today, but the fact that God judges the heart, and that's what it, Jesus said in the Old Testament. It said, for example, he said, um, it said, do not commit adultery. In the New Testament, he says, well, actually says, if you think in your mind about another woman, then you've committed your heart. It goes to the next level. You know, if you've, if you've done this in the Old Testament, if you've killed someone, you're guilty. But it says here, if you hate someone, then you're guilty. It's a lot, it's a lot saying, I'm actually looking at the heart. And here, their yeah. heart was... I think the big thing is, um, when you think of police shows and stuff like that, and court, I've been in court a few times for like school when I did that, you know, when you go in to listen and that sort of thing. And um, if it was what they call premeditated, it's a lot serious, a lot more serious than someone who had a bad reaction and accidentally swung their hands and killed someone accidentally. Mm. You know, and but this is as together with his wife Sapphira, so with his wife's full knowledge he kept back part and brought the rest to the apostles. So they conspired to say, Let's hold this back. I suppose what I find hard about the story is that was there was no chance for any repentance. It's kind of like why they did yeah. one act and then that was it. I mean, I don't know yeah. the whole backstory of their life, but it's kind of like you come to the church because you're beginning that faith journey and they've been struck down before given the chance for repentance. And that's that's what I think so, is hard to get around. It's not yeah. the, the not necessarily the punishment so severe, it's that there was no... Yeah, I think it's... um. I mean, it's a sobering passage. I think, it, for me, it's, it's quite sobering. And I, it gives me the side of, I in the Old Testament, David was very strong saying, I will not touch the Lord's anointed. You know, I will not... Saul was king, he was doing bad things, he was chasing him, he was trying to kill him and all that sort of stuff. And he would say, no, I'm not going to touch him. You know, I'm going to keep, I'm going to have fear for God more than fear mm-hmm. of man. I think that's the thing is saying, you, you didn't have to fear us, but fear God, you know, and that's uh, sobering. I think also there's a sort of snippet of, you, you can't read too much into it, it's straight there, but Jesus was telling a story um, in the Gospels and there was um, no, it was in Acts, actually, we'll read it later, later on, but anyhow, one guy was... I, I wondered why you went quiet. Yeah, like, yeah, I was just trying to think of the passage. But I was thinking, also listening to them out there. No, no, <laughs> no, I just tune out when I'm thinking. Um, but it was that the Simon, another Simon, <laughs> um, he he was, um, uh, how can you put it, a very powerful magician or, or witch doctor type thing, yeah, very powerful in the spiritual mm-hmm. side of things. And when he saw the Holy Spirit coming on, he wanted to pay the money for that gift. And, you know, Peter rebuked him and said, you know, um, basically repent or you're going to die because of that because this is, you cannot buy the things of God with money. And I think, in a sense, it's sort of like a typology or whatever. Yeah, similar in a sense of it's, don't think you can become a better Christian because you're giving more to the church. Don't become your... You know, if you're, don't think that by pretending to give more than you are that it's going to help anyone. You know, it's God you're doing it before. And, and, and the heaps of scriptures that talks about, you know, what your right hand does, let your left not know. And it's that whole thing of your heart. And I, knew you were, God. I knew you were going to go there. Yeah. <laughs> you got anything else? Do think? not let your right hand know what your left hand is doing. It's true. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. Um, not really. I mean, in the Foundations Bible, it just says um, 5 verse 3. Uh, it just says that, filled with Satan, Satan is the father of lies. So when Ananias and Sapphira deliberately lied, they took upon themselves the moral character of the one who was behind all the lies, the devil himself. Yes. So, 
I, I think it's um, it's actually it sounds terrible. It's actually sometimes I find an encouraging passage, even though it sounds the opposite. And I find it encouraging because sometimes people like um, there's different teachings that go out there that not Christian teachings, but there's some false teachings that goes around. And some of them are saying you need to ignore the Old Testament because we're all under the New Testament. And then some say you've got to ignore the act, the parts of the Bible. You know, it's really silly. They just ignore it and all. But I just think this is a, a side where you say, well, actually, God's serious in the New Testament. So in grace, in love, in acceptance, he's still God and he's still serious. And if you're, even if um, you go totally against him, he still can put a command on here. Yeah. Um, I was listening to I just, yep. I'm sorry, I just find it difficult for people who pick and choose the Old Testament or the New Testament. I just find it like Jesus taught from the Old Testament and then he taught new things. Yes. And it's that. You can't separate those two. Yes. So I get if you're only following Old Testament teachings, I guess that's... Which is but Jews and then they don't accept Jesus. That's yeah. right. Yeah. And But if you're following the New Testament, you have to accept that the Old Testament is there. And I think it's a glimpse that the God of the Old Testament is the same God of the New Testament. So, well, yeah. And it's that side of he is still to be feared. But I think the, the best part is the next section because, you know, they added chapters and all that sort of stuff later. Mm. And I sometimes think this passage is there to lead into the next one because it says, if you want to read from verse 12, so this is straight afterwards. Yep. There we go. Chapter 5, verse 12. The apostles performed many signs and wonders among the people and they all believe oh, and all the believers used to meet together in Solomon's colonnade no one else dared to join them even though they were highly regarded by the people nevertheless more and more men and women believed in the Lord and they added to their number as a result people brought the sick into the streets and laid them on beds and mats so that at least Peter's shadow might fall on some of them as he passed by. Crowds gathered also from the towns around Jerusalem, bringing the sick and those tormented by impure spirits, and all of them were healed. I think this is the encouraging part, is when they had a good balance of saying, we live in grace, but God's still God, then God moves powerfully. Mm. And it's that side we talked to earlier, you know, about spiritual welfare and about, you know, that spiritual side of things. It's like if you're flippant and careless, you can actually get into a lot of problems. But if you're serious and go, um, you know, I submit myself to the Lord, um, you know, I've accepted Jesus in my heart, I'm under his authority, I rebuke these things, you're actually safe. Like, you, you know, because he's got the authority and, and you're standing in his stead. But if you're just flippant and doing careless things, then you can have problems. And I think it's like here, mm. when there's a, a seriousness, then it's like, it's not to be sad serious, it's like, but when you have that respectful seriousness, then all of a sudden, sickness and demons and that realise you're not someone to mess with. And so sickness flees, demonic flees, other things flee. It's interesting that Jesus didn't talk to sickness different to a demonic, talked the same. He would just speak and it'd be gone. So sickness, be gone. Spirit, be gone. He wouldn't differentiate. And sometimes it can be good because sometimes... Someone can have a sickness, not demonic at all. It's just there's a health issue. Mm. And he would just speak to the issue and bring healing. Sometimes there's a, you know, um, a spirit side of things. And he'll speak to that. And I think that's, I, I like that because it means I don't have to worry about is this a spirit, is it health, you know. Is, yeah. is, and, and there was a time when people said to Jesus, they said, um, what sin was it his parents or him that caused this person to be born um, lame? Uh, it's a guy, remember, from the gate, beautiful. Mm -hmm. And he says, neither, but so that God's power might be made known and his you know, glory might be revealed. And I said, they're going, so um, he said, don't put it, and because people have done that in the past, they've blamed sickness on what they've done and all that sort of thing. And just says, well, sometimes it's just because God wants to come into the scene. You know, it doesn't, put sickness on people but he'll um, might allow it so that when they come along people see um, him yes. uh, we're on the 
borderlines of the understanding because we're like yeah we're talking about God's plans at this point yeah. and it's kind of I feel like <laughs> it's hard to grasp yes you know all loving God but may allow his plan other plans to unfold because it's his plan or because he uses it, it yeah. Yeah. yeah so it's just that hard yeah that edge of yeah I think it's like um, people when they recycle stuff sometimes it's like um, he'll allow it to get broken so he can build from the broken pieces but he is not his plan was not to have it broken <laughs> in the first place you know, yeah. it's it's like which is probably why it comes back to their yeah. you know, well, was it his mother or his father? And, yeah. Or, and people will go, oh, what's this? You know, and I think neither, but doesn't matter. Yeah. And so I think kind of. Yeah. And and if we get caught up in too much of the whys, and that's what happened in the Old Testament. There's a guy called Lot. Sorry, Job. Sorry, in the Book of Job, and he was basically saying to God, why, why, why is this suffering happening? Why are these things going wrong? Why are my kid died? Why did do these things happen? And God never actually answers why. He just says, who are you and who am I? And then Job changes his heart and says, you are the God so most high. I just worship you and I thank you. And then God blesses him and gives him heaps more and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. So it's a real challenge. But God is always bigger than our question. Yes. But I like this how it just continues from in life to then the disciples yeah. are moving in power and authority. All you need is a holy man to walk past you with his shadow. Shadow, yes. And I've known in in the twi- in, in these centuries I've known it happened the same thing happening. You know, where shadows are gone and hmm. um, so the apostle first go, then the high priest, verse seventeen. Then the high priest and his associates, who were members of the party of the Sadducees, were filled with jealousy. They arrested the apostles and put them in the public jail. But, bef- but during the night, an angel of the Lord opened the doors of the jail and brought them out. Go stand in the temple courts, he said, and tell people all about this new life. At daybreak, they entered the temple courts as they had been told and began to teach the people. When the high priest and his associates arrived, they called together the Sanhedrin, the full assembly of the elders of Israel, and sent to the jail for the apostles. But on arriving at the jail, the officers did not find them there. So they went back and reported, We found the jail securely locked, with the guards standing at the doors. But when we opened them, we found no one inside. On hearing this report, the captain of the temple guard and the chief priest were at a loss, wondering what this might lead to. Then someone came and said, Look, the men you put in jail are standing in the temple courts teaching the people. At that, the captain went with his officers and brought the apostles. They did not use force because they feared that people would stone them. The apostles were brought in and made to appear before the Sanhedrin to be questioned by the high priest. We gave you strict orders not to teach in his name, he said, yet you have filled Jerusalem with your teaching and are determined to make us guilty of this man's blood. Peter and the other apostles replied, We must obey God rather than human beings. The God of our ancestors raised Jesus from the dead, whom you killed by hanging him on a cross. God exalted him to the right hand as Prince and Saviour, that he might bring Israel to repentance and forgive their sins. We are witnesses of these things, and so is the Holy Spirit, whom God has given to those who obey. When they heard this, they were furious and wanted to put them to death. But a Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that the men be put out for a little while. We'll go on to that a bit later, I reckon. It's a big passage. It's quite a long section. It is. (laughs) But I think the main thing is we get the the gist of what's happening. The Bible's not very good with, you know... Succinct. Making it, yeah, it's very to the point where there's no added deep, yeah. like no, it was a sunny day, and yeah. <laughs> you know, the trees are green. No, yeah. and so it's just a lot of info. Information is small. Yeah. In. I, I find it sometimes funny that, um, yeah, sometimes you're looking at a passage and going, if I just read it, it has so much, it's straight to the point so well. You know, sometimes we talk about passages and we talk ages and ages on the same little passage. Mm. You know, um, but I think the gist, you know, overall when you see there, I think it's that side of um, the miraculous is still to continue to flow. They now they they try to persecute them, they put them in prison, and then they get out, <laughs> and then they they're going, what's happened? And then they they're not just in fear and all this. They're not, like got a start. They're they're confident. I suppose that's the word, isn't it? And mm. so they're back in there teaching, and then they're saying, we told you not to. I said, well. 
can't follow you. Yeah. You have to follow God. So it's it's also like demonstrating again that God is always there, mm. and you get yourself into situations, and God will God sends help. So you're doing God's work, and you've got into a situation, and then God will then provide a way provide a way out. Yeah. Which that's the biggest chunk I got from this. Mm. This and we must obey God rather than human beings. I think that's a good key point, isn't it? I mean, earlier, somewhere, they mentioned the fact that you should follow your appointed leaders as well. So, you know, don't go completely against. Yes. <laughs> that, that's, the, that's always been done. Because says, he said, you know... Um, Common sense applies. Yes. yes. <laughs> yeah. But also, you know... Um, Submit to the laws and the governing authorities, you know, things will go well with you. But then it's that, and that's the, um, that's where the, that's where the line comes to, and that's where current situations, with, you know, come to with like all the different laws and things at the moment. It's, it's at the moment we're just saying, you know what, the government's saying wear a mask, do this. We're saying, you know what, we're going to respect that. But if they come to a point and say, um, you cannot, you know confess that Jesus is Lord, then we'll say, sorry, we can't follow that law. You yeah. know, that's where it crosses over the line and we have to follow God rather than this. But when it's other things, we're saying, you know what, it's inconvenient, we don't like it, might disagree with it, mm. but we'll still respect it. And, you know, we'll still respect, you know, I was at... But through those, through those laws of man, look what, look where we are now. Mm. Like our church has shifted and moved and it's doing a new thing, yeah. and there's so much happening that it's just, we followed those laws, but yeah. God still did things. And that's where, what we said earlier, is a current analogy. He, in a sense, and it's not really a sense, I, I totally believe it 100%, God's allowed this whole situation, and he's going to use it or through it to his purposes happening, you know. Mm. And I think that's a. Um, I think we we saw that in the last couple of weeks. So God was pretty adamant to me that that COVID nineteen was not going to spread around in South Australia, and I was I've been living by that, you know, since he told me last November, I think it was. Yeah. And it has been been true. And then this happened, and I was like, but God, you said it wouldn't happen. And he said, yeah, but you got complacent, right? Yeah. <laughs> so, That's yeah, true. it's not going to happen, but, you know, one person not following the rules per se will lead to things happening, and then God can then use that. But it's, you know, God didn't bring it here. Yeah. And it's, Somebody I think brought it here. Yes, exactly. <laughs> Someone allowed it to happen yeah. by, you know, yeah, but God is still over it all, you know. He can just go, well, it's gone, you know, if he wants to, you know. Yeah. But he's using it, and he's, and, he's, and it's interesting what's happening around the world is there's some really a lot of shake-ups and things, and some churches are really growing heaps, and some really are closing. <laughs> it's amazing, and that's where, um, you know, we've been wrestling ourselves, you know, Rachel and I and the church here and everything, and it's really, it's actually been hard, but in some sense is good because you get rid of the fluff on the outside and you go to what is it really about? You know, the Sunday yeah. service is about, you know, really it's about connection, growth, you know, being together. Um, you know, we've worshipped in the past by singing songs in church. We can't do that. So what do we realise? Well, we need to actually worship God. So we may have to worship more at home, which is probably seven days a week is probably better than one day a week for actually worshipping God. <laughs> and so, and so if people slowly can grasp it, they realise, oh, you know, it's forced us to get back to what the real issues is. And um, I remember doing history, um, church history, years ago, because I hated history at school. <laughs> it was terrible. And then I did that. Bible college did some church history, and I go, oh, yeah, here we go again. You know, <laughs> thought it'd be boring. Not more history. Yeah. And I it mean... was actually really fascinating. I found it, it, it interesting, and, and especially when I studied about history through because um, we often don't learn here, European history we don't learn about in Asia and Africa but you often when you read those things go oh wow well you know while the Crusades were going crazy and 
were you know going against God's plan, and most of them weren't what you call Christian. Yeah. Um, there's big moves happening in Africa and Asia of God <laughs> at the time. Yeah. And you go, oh, God's spirit wasn't dead. It's just the Europeans were pretending to be Christian and doing stuff, you know, hiring thugs and like. One of the Crusades, when they went to Jerusalem, they actually hired thugs to go and kill a Christian village to get money to catch the fish to catch the ships to go after. Uh, and you go, that's pretty stupid. But they were they got confused. So I won't get into all that sort of stuff. But it's but it's just interesting. But, um, but yeah, time we don't see timelines happening. Yeah. At the same time, we're like, this happened out of context to everything else that was going on around yeah. that thing. And you just go, and, well, you know, I had that during my you know, early 20s mm. when you would drop someone off at the airport and by the time you got home, that person was in Melbourne. Yeah. And you're like, <laughs> what? Yeah. <laughs> and I, just really I drove weird. back from the airport and they're, beat, they, they're in Melbourne at yeah. the same, like more or less at the same time I'm getting home. But that like, happens for us, yeah, it's, um, yeah. If you don't think about it, you're like, their timeline just ended when you left the airport. Like, yeah. it's only when you think about the fact that your timeline and that timeline happened at the same time that you're like, mm. wow, there's so yeah. many things happening at the same time. Like, you can't know it all. Mm. But I, so I think um, God's allowing it at the moment for, for different things. I, um, in the 300s AD, Latish 380, whatever, that's when they form the creeds and um, we don't really do much with the creeds but they're a good statement of faith because that's what they were because what they came along with was the they were getting persecuted and um, don't remember whatever but there's all sorts of different situations happening so being persecuted and so it's like um, you have in other countries and they can't have Bibles and that. So it's like if they came to your house and they and they got authorities and then soldiers or whatever and they're going through and they're you know going you know this yours this yours this yours um, you know you're going to be punished for having all this Christian literature. And so the Christian is saying, well, what is the most important? Because that's what I won't give up. Other things are just dross and stuff on the mm-hmm. surface. So you know someone's. Um, someone's Christian painting that says, you know, um, in the footsteps of Jesus on sand is nice thing on the wall, but it's not a matter of life and death. It's not a matter of faith. It's just a nice little plaque. Yeah. Um, and so they came up with the creeds and they said, out of all the teaching, what's this, What's our statement of faith? And so that's where they came up with the Apostolic Creed and the Nicene Creed and other ones. Which, and that's just where they were located, Nicaea, the Council of Nicaea. Mm-hmm. Um, and they come along and say, okay, we believe in God the Father, maker of heaven and earth, and Jesus Christ, his only son, you know, believe in the virgin birth. You know, it goes through all these different statements of faith so that people knew this is the core, central, what it is to be a Christian and what we believe. Everything else is filler, you know? Mm-hmm. And that's what I think. I think that's sort of what's happening now. It's like we're being reminded that um, it's not about being on stage because half the time there is no stage. Mm. <laughs> and so... It's, it's that challenging that complacency. Heart. It is. Yes. So I just think so that passage there. I think they were persecuted, but they they held on to what was most important. Was well in this situation, we need to follow God more than man. God's but, but like you said before, there's other passages saying you know if they said you know can you um, you know can you please wear you know sandals when you're at the marketplace? I don't think they'd have a problem with that. <laughs> no. You know. So a little, it's like, yeah, and that's then fine, God, that's and then God would provide the same thing. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> probably. <laughs> yes. Um, so then, 30, verse 34. How do you remember where we get up to? <laughs> I just right. look at it and I'm like, oh, it's just more text. Like, I remember <laughs> those things. Oh, well, Gamaliel is quite famous. So, so the Pharisee named Gamaliel, a teacher of the law, who was honoured by all the people, stood up in the Sanhedrin and ordered that men be put out for a little while. Then he addressed the Sanhedrin, men of Israel, Consider carefully what you intend to do these, to these men. Some time ago, Theodos appeared claiming to be somebody and about 400 men rallied to him. He was killed, all his followers dispersed and it came to nothing. After him, Judas the Galilean appeared in the days of the census and led a band of people in revolt. He too was killed and all his followers were scattered. Therefore, in the present case, I advise you, leave these men alone, let them go. 
For if this purpose or activity is of human origin, it will fail. But if it is from God, you will not be able to stop these men. You will only find yourself fighting against God. His speech persuaded them. They called the apostles in and had them flogged. They don't just let them go. <laughs> Still flogged them. It's quite a serious thing. Then they ordered them not to speak in the name of Jesus and let them go. And the apostles left the Sanhedrin rejoicing because they had been counted worthy of suffering disgrace for the name. Day after day in the temple courts and from house to house, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. So they've been flogged and sold. Never do this again. Absolutely. Look, they're so scared of us, we had to be yeah. punished. Yeah. <laughs> and it's like, you know, we've, we've flogged them, we've you know, very serious punishment and told them not to do it again. And then <laughs> they didn't stop. I also love the logic that's going on here. <laughs> so if if they are God's people, yes. God's message bearers, you know, they're doing it in the name of God, you can't fight them. Yep. But if they're not, they'll just dry out. Like, it'll just stop. So yep. just ignore it. Yeah. Is essentially what... And looking at history, I think it's funny we've been talking about history, and this is him, Gamaliel, is referring to history. He's saying, yeah. in the past, this happened, and it's come to nothing. Another time happened, came to nothing, you know, and we didn't go doing anything major. And I think it's like here, yeah, like you said, if it's if it's from human, it'll mm. come to nothing, so you don't have to worry about it. If it's from God, then you're fighting God. So let's yep. just, um, and I think it sort think, of shows you a glimpse that they even are not. 100% sure it's not from God because they're like going oh you know I don't think it's from God but I mean they got out of the jail yeah like <laughs> yeah, it's pretty you need to look at the whole situation yeah. going on, not just pick and choose bits but you locked them up in jail <laughs> and they got out yeah. something's happening that's yeah, not necessarily a man yeah I just like that the takeaway for from for now yeah is that if something is from God it will it Prevail. will last yes and if it's not, it won't. Yeah. I think it's a good test, isn't it, time? Yes. That's good. I, I think um, I was talking to my mum a while back and it was interesting because something that's been shifting in church, I think worldwide, but we've seen a fair bit of it here, is tough. You know when you don't see the whole picture, mm. <laughs> it's hard to sort of comment too much yeah but um in the past and it's not a pick on anything of the past not picking on any other church or whatever and even here um it's just i think god's showing us where he wants us to head and and in the past you'd have a person who was gifted they were really good at for example loving people and they really cared for people and um they wanted to they wanted to disciple them, see them grow in the Lord and all that sort of stuff. And so people would say, Oh, that's really good and so that'd encourage them and help them. And then they say, Well, let's form a church and, and then they form a church and then they say, Well, you can be the pastor and so so he's now the pastor of this church. Mm. And then they say, Well, um, we also need to do this and we also need to do that. So how about we um you know, we'll pitch in some money and, and we'll use some of our tithe and we'll support you and you can do more and more of that. Um, and that's mm-hmm. what's happened in the past where you have a full-time paid pastor who do all these different things and in a bad sense, not always bad, it's often good, but in a bad sense, people would come to not do their Christian walk as much. They'd just rely on the pastor. And as long as I came on a Sunday and I give my money to support the pastor, then I'm a good Christian. Yeah. And but what no. happens... Yeah, no, <laughs> but that has, has happened in a sense. And I think... But I, but I do like the idea of having a paid pastor that's yes. more or less on call should crisis happen. Mm. I do like that idea. But at the same token, it's not, it's not good for the actual congregation if they're just going, well, that guy's doing all the thinking. I'm just going to turn up on Sunday. <laughs> Yeah, so, so where I see it's going, and so it doesn't go against paying, I totally agree, because you know, work is worthy of the wage, it's in the scripture, yeah. and, and uh, you don't muzzle the ox, there's all the mm. different passage, passages. Um, but what is, I think, has been the problem in the past is 
you know how we talk about the gifts of the Spirit, there's different gifts that he's given different people as he's chosen. And some people are good at this, and some people are good at preaching, some people are not, some people are good at really showing sympathy and compassion, some are not. <laughs> some people are rough as guts, but they're very what, good at... What you're saying is we all have different strengths. That's it. <laughs> but it goes, to, it goes to the next level. It's, it's actually God giving different unique gifts to people as he chooses. Yeah. Um, and he needs us to work together as a body for the whole expression of God's gifts to be seen. And so the problem has been passed, and like I was saying, it's not always a problem, it's not picking, and don't have to repeat it, is someone is gifted in showing compassion, for example, and then because they're the pay pastor, they're now going to do all this building work, they've got to do maintenance, they've got to do hardware, got to do all these sort of things, they've got to build the roof of the church, they've got to do these other things and yeah. all that sort of stuff because oh, you're the pay pastor and that's what they do and for many years they would do it. So then come the, they become the, the CEO yeah. and yeah. the handyman and yeah. The, yeah. yeah. And, and, and what I think has been the problem is that God's gifted them for one thing and instead of being able to flourish in that area they've had to do 90% of their time doing other things. Mm. And the, the sad thing is, the 90% they're doing of other things is what other people are gifted to do and they would do a much better job than this person mm. at those areas. Mm. And like so, if you asked me to pick the roof, yeah. you'd have a lot of leaks in the roof. <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> like me doing cutting things. and yeah. you know, and um, wouldn't la- allow me to go near anyone's account. Yes. Right. <laughs> I, I have a good relationship with our trade guys at work in the um, hardware store mm. because um, they know that I have no idea and I know when it comes to computers, a lot of them have no idea. Yeah. But we have a mutual respect for each other. Yes, that That's you both right. have no idea in the yes. other person's field. Yes, and I will come and I will help them and I will not speak negative or down because that's okay. You've got other strengths. Mm-hmm. And by the way, is this what tool I'm supposed to do? And, they, and they're going, no, you're supposed to use this other one. And they're going, oh, thank you. I'm glad I checked with you because you saved me a lot of money. A, a, a lot of time. Yeah, <laughs> and all that sort of thing. So it's got the gift. And um, you didn't break it further. <laughs> yeah, so I think what one of the shifts is changing is that um, we're seeing more of the body actually flow in their giftings, less just one person. Yeah, I mean, we're currently reading about that dynamic of church, aren't we? In Acts, that's what they're establishing. That there is a body of people, and there might be a leader at the top, but the body is doing whatever they're passionate about. Some are selling houses and giving. If you look in Galatians, when Paul goes, yeah, but that's what I wanted to do anyway. (laughs) Yes. Right? (laughs) And so I think... um, so where the balance comes the other thing now, because I would like, it's good to talk about the, the finance side too, is where it works well is where someone's gifting in caring and the church says, you know what, you could do more caring in the church context if you had to work less to support yourself. Mm-hmm. So we might say, okay, if we paid you two days a week, so that you could do more care, and then that might become three, it might become a full time. Now you're actually flowing in your gifting and you're mm. being a best benefit because you're actually flowing in your gifting and people are realizing, and that's why we're supporting. But what we're not doing is saying, um, we'll, we'll support you so that you do outside of your gifting because we don't want to have to do it. Yeah. And I think that's the... You know, I mean, Heather and I had this conversation a few weeks ago. She goes, if you could do... If money was no object and you could do whatever it is that you wanted to do, she's like, what would you do? And I was like, you know what? I'd just volunteer at the church. Like, I'd just be available for the church to do whatever the church needed. Like, that would be, yeah. to me, that would be awesome. Like, mm. it's not necessarily work. You're just doing whatever needs to be done. Like, yeah. that's, yeah. to me, that's what I would do. If I didn't need to pay bills, yeah. I didn't need to make sure I had food, I didn't need to make sure my children had clothing. Mm. You know, that's yeah. what I would do. It's like, if money was no object, absolutely, yeah. I would... And that's where I think that. um, the great thing is we say, people just use the gift that God's given. You know, um, they say, James says, fan into flame the gift. And it's like, use the gift and just grow that. 
focus on that. Don't try and do all these other things. Just focus on that. Um, we have to, you know, we're a family, and so there's always times in a family you have to do things that you're not gifted for and all that sort of stuff because that's just family's got to get mm-hmm. stuff done. Uh, so there is that time that sometimes it's go, um, okay, I'm not gifted at fixing roofs, but you know what, I've got a, a working bee and um, no one else is good at fixing roofs, but together, many hands make like we're. Um, might have between 10 heads, we might be able to fix that roof. Again, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not going to be able to fix your roof. <laughs> <laughs> That's right, we'll get the other <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll, I'll go plant the plant in the garden <laughs> and I'll paint window seals, but not good at fixing a roof. Yes, that's all right, because I'm terrible at planting a plant. Oh, well, there you go. So that's not my strength. All right. So, do you want to have a quick look at Act 6? Yes, it's a, I think it's slightly shorter than Act 5. Yes. Only just. Would be the choosing of the seven. Yep, did you start here? Yep, chapter six, Acts. In those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among the among them complained against the Hebrew the Hebrew Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. I'll just stop there for a second, just to clarify. Hellenistic Jews are the Greeks. So they're the Greek Jews and the Hebrew Jews. Mm-hmm. And so that's what he's saying is they, um, Hellenistic is um, the Greek. So it's just good to understand that you're basically yes. saying the Greeks and the Hebrews are complaining. Yes. Yeah. Yep. So they're complaining. Yep. <laughs> so the twelve gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on table. Brothers and sisters, Choose seven men from among you who are known to be full of the Spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and we will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the Word. That's what we've been talking about. about. (laughs) (laughs) That's good. Um, The proposal pleased the whole group and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith and of Holy Spirit. Also Philip, Prochorus, Nicander... Hyman, Pomeus, and Nicholas. Very good. From <laughs> from Antioch. Antioch, yeah. Yep. A convert in Jerusalem. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed and laid their hands on them. So the word of God spread. The number of apostles in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and the large number of priests become abundant to the faith. Obedient. Obedient yeah. to the faith. But it became so, abundant too. Yeah, but. But, and, and I think this is what we've been talking about. The key Absolutely. Is, yeah, the key is what happened there. They they said they're too busy to be um, distracted. Waiting tables. Yes. Yeah, to be. Yeah, because that's what it is. It's the daily distribution of food. So, I see it as something slightly more important than waiting tables. Yeah. But absolutely. Yeah. I, just want to, I want to call them out there. That they're yeah. Essentially, you're like, well, that's beneath us. That's what it yeah. sounds like. That's yeah. beneath us. We'll yeah. get someone else to do that. Yeah. But I think, I think that's the thing we have to watch out for because sometimes it can be... And that's, that's actually a very good point because sometimes I have to watch myself that I don't think that too because sometimes you'll have um, you know, a pastor or a leader or something like that and they're saying, can you do this because I need to focus on this other thing. And they're going, well, is that you know, beneath you? But when I realise you know what, overall, if you can focus on that area, that will be better for us all. Yeah. Um, like when we're talking about home team, you know, some people can really excel in different areas and that releases other people to do more connecting or more this. Um, you know, if someone's, if someone's really making sure the, for example, people are finding a seat okay, hmm. then other people can focus on um, talking to people <laughs> who are sitting down. You know. I also like it too because as a new Christian it gives you something to do in the church yeah. that's not necessarily Bible oriented. Like you don't need to know particular scriptures to be yeah. able to converse with particular people. You yeah. can still participate and learn from doing that and meet people. Yeah. It's, like, it's like a home. Doorbell rings. I might say, can you get that, kids? <laughs> One of the kids will run up and get the door. What did you without the lower back <laughs> and the sciatic nerve yeah. problem? <laughs> it's like, it's like, you know. um, but I think that's, I actually like the way you put it there because I think it's a good point because you can look at it sometimes as oh, not beneath. But also when you think of the day, they're talking about distribution of food. So it's probably more like 
I've got sacks of food here, sacks of food there. People are going to line up. I mean, and it's more than just waiting tables. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about the the preparation of food and organising yeah. a team of people yeah. so that the food is available yeah. and you know ready for you know. Service. And and so then they chose. He said, and I I like that they didn't just choose anyone too. They said, choose people who are full of the spirit and wisdom. So verse three. So they said, don't just choose anyone, because, and this is I find interesting, because it's still an important yep. spiritual role yep. to give out the food. Yep. And I think that's a good point because saying you know, won't multiply it's, in anyone. Yeah, it's not, but it's also it's not like yeah, that's true. <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's not like um, the one who's preaching the word is any more holy than the person who's waiting on tables. No, yeah, and that's right. It's just a different and it's just, it's when. But the yeah. people who are focused on the word in the ministry, they will miss out on that closer connection with the congregation. So it's a very important role in the sense of, you know, the fellowship and yeah. making sure that everyone's needs are supported. Mm. But it also creates a connection between the people who are focused on the word and preaching and ministry. Yeah. It creates that connection so that there is someone close that does know what's happening. Yeah. And, and like we haven't got it here, but I've known others who their ministry has been driving a bus to pick up people to bring them to church. You know? And so in a sense, they're not greeting them at church, they're not doing, but they're enabling people to get to the church. Mm. I um, find that, you know. Which your car, for instance, you just need to whack a couple of those magnetic impact things on the side. <laughs> <laughs> but I love this bit at verse 7. I think this is the key, and this is what I think is what and why God's allowing COVID at the moment, is verse 7. So the word of God spread, the number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly, and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. It's interesting they say that, because these are the priests who were always against Jesus and other things, and the disciples. And all of a sudden, now that it's not just the elite apostles preaching, now it's people using their gifts yes. and also being um, you know, obedient and helping at the table. Now priests are getting saved. And I was like, oh, that's an interesting side yeah, thought. Interesting. So then Stephen, I read, I read verse 8, says Stephen, this is a long passage, so we'll just do it quickly. It says, Stephen, a man full of God's grace and power, performed great wonders and signs among the people. And he was one of the ones chosen to wait on tables. He was. <laughs> so he wasn't just, you know, he was doing miracles and he was waiting on tables. So there's nothing... Waiting on yeah, tables, not beneath. Daddy, it was making the food multiply. Yeah. <laughs> Opposition <laughs> arose. Maybe. We don't know. We don't know what yeah. miracles There's no one in the Bible, so we can't say he is, but we can't say he isn't either. We don't know. I've seen many times he has provided, so I wouldn't um, not say it's true either, because any Christian who's got faith for things will see multiplication and growth. It happens. Quite normal. Opposition arose, however, from the members of the synagogue of the Freedom, as it was called, Jews of Cyrene and Alexandria, as well as the provinces, provinces of Cilicia and Asia, who began to argue with Stephen. But they could not stand up against the wisdom the Spirit gave him as he spoke. Then they secretly persuaded some men to say, We have heard Stephen speak blasphemous words against Moses and against God. So they stirred up the people and the elders, and teachers of the law, they seized Stephen and brought him before the Sanhedrin. They produced false witnesses who testified, This fellow never stops speaking against the holy place and against the law. For we've heard him say that this Jesus of Nazareth will destroy this place and change the customs Moses handed down to us. And all who were sitting in the Sanhedrin looked intently at Stephen. And they saw that his face was like the face of an angel. <laughs> wow. Yeah. But I think it's just interesting that He's waiting on tables. God's using him to move miracles, to perform miracles, and yet the people still don't respond, and they <laughs> they get upset, and so they get people to put false witnesses and try to get them out of the scene. And you know. yeah, if it doesn't specify what he was supposed to be blasphemous about. It just says that he was blasphemous. Like, well, that's he what wasn't blasphemous. Yeah, that's they're what they're saying. Said. He is. Yeah, they're bringing false witnesses. False witnesses. Yeah. So we don't know what they're saying about him. So. Who knows what he supposedly did yeah. that he didn't do? Yeah, that's for another another chapter. But <laughs> yeah, well, or that they said it there because yeah, you know, they saying he's said that he'll destroy this place and he'll you know um, change the customs Moses handed down to us. So they're saying you're going to change this, you're going to do this. 
interesting what the motives are here. Is it is it jealousy? Is it you know yeah. anger? Is it is it the devil's work? Like what what is going on yeah. for them to go that Stephen guy? Yeah, he's he's, he's blasphemous. He's and saying all sorts of things. Yeah, like and that, unfortunately that's happened around the world today. Even that people have risen up and spoken against. Um, people, yeah. Christians, um, a lot of in a lot of countries that aren't Christian countries and things where they've, you know, made up false accusations and they haven't got an avenue to defend themselves. Yeah. They they're like I can't say anything and they just say, oh, this person's. Um, it's actually interesting in the in the Old Testament, is God actually establishes the court. Actually says, um, it says a witness's uh, sorry, a person's report seems true until cross-examined by others. <laughs> it's interesting. It's in the Bible. It talks about. You know, they said when they are questioned by others, then the truth actually comes out. And it's interesting how they talk about that right. in the Old Testament. Um, and yet here, they just have fault witnesses. And the next chapter, which I think is probably good for next time, because it's a yes. big passage, but it's a good I, passage. I, it sums up so many things. <laughs> That's in such it. a small yeah. condensed. Like you think the Bible's condensed? Well, we've yeah. condensed it some more. Yeah. I think if you could almost memorise what he said, you'd be saying, what does the Christian faith? Well, what the Christian faith is Acts chapter 7. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Summarised nice and succinct, um, you know, but it's very hard to summarise it all in a few verses. So It, it is. So that's actually, that last bit's more of a teaser for next time. Yes, I think so. Not a lot in there that's that we can say without going on to the next bit. Yes, no. But I think, I just think the interesting part, yeah, before we go into the next bit, I think the interesting part is that God was moving, they chose, and I find it interesting, they they didn't, no, they tried, but they didn't go against the apostles at this stage. They went against the people looking after the food distribution. <laughs> yeah. And, and I think, and that can be a... Um, like I think sobering thing too of just because you think you might do be doing a like a, even a menial job or some other things um, when you're doing it for God's kingdom you'll still get opposition hmm. because um, you know Satan the enemy knows that you're actually making a difference in waiting on tables in doing this you actually make a difference nice. 